Hey everyone, thanks for checking back into localjobnetwork.com radio and the podcast, Executive Decisions. Here we focus on the important judgments that need to be made at the upper levels of management. I'm your host, Tim Muma. This is part two of Preventing Workplace Bullying, and we have psychologist Dr. Gary Namey with us. He's the co-founder and director of the Workplace Bullying Institute. Now in this second part, Dr. Namey will be giving us some advice and insight specifically for employers to help stop workplace bullying, even before it starts. Clearly, I mean, you've given us tons of of information and and different perspectives on what's going on. We do want to get into the area of preventing and uh, um, giving employers, again, that knowledge, the, the tools there to be proactive and to utilize, you know, their powers that they have. Uh, as you said, it's not on the legal side because it's not considered harassment. But what what would you put out there as the best advice in terms of, again, preventing this from happening, whether it's creating a, a certain system or if it's the way people are managed? Where do you go with this to start preventing and really, as you said, be proactive in this as opposed to waiting for everything to fall apart? Exactly what you just said right there. There are actually two ways to do it. Let me give you the systemic because it is actually quite familiar to employers. It is not strange or new or novel. But then along the way, and probably before you can actually muster the support to get the systemic going, there are daily things managers can do. And so let let me end with that because that's probably more likely what's going to happen in most organizations. Sure. Because I think they're going to be more well-intentioned managers, individuals, than we have learned that there are companies willing to make the systemic change. Okay, first the systemic change. That's exactly what has been done in the approach to combating sexual harassment, okay, and racial discrimination. That is, forget the fact that the motive was to respond to the law, but what they did was they created policies that spelled out broadly what it is, came up with illustrations of what that misconduct looked like, what sexual harassment looked like. Then they prescribed it. They they said, this is declared unacceptable. Ye shall not do it. And then they tied it into discipline, if indeed you were found guilty of a violation of this policy. See, a policy has much more uh, strength and pull mm-hmm. than a code of conduct or clearly any mission, vision, value statement. Employers think that they can get away with a value statement that says, we treat everyone with respect and dignity and civility. You know what? That's great to frame in the hallway, but it's meaningless, and the employees know it too. It's unenforceable. So codes of conduct and values are unenforceable. Codes are often violated, and the employees are very frustrated because nobody... They're just, they're just suggestions. But a policy has the weight of basically a legal obligation between right. employer and employee. So when an employer creates a policy, they know darn well, and this is why they're reluctant to create them, that, it's, that it limits them and uh, the employer. It holds them accountable for uh, enforcing the policy. And they should enforce it with everyone, including Bob. There should be no exceptions. So anyway, you create a policy, just as they've done with sexual harassment. You spell out what bullying is. You declare it unacceptable. Uh, We have a brand new DVD on creating this policy that saves me going in and facilitating the writing of this. And they can go find it. Employers can find it. And like having me in the room, and you'll create a policy like nowhere else. (laughs) But some of the provisions include what it is not. And in fact, I also require, when I do a policy, I make sure that there be consequences. So that we, I never let bullying be trivialized. trivialized. I am, 
there must be consequences to the individual or to the organization. It's got to disrupt work uh, in order to be actionable. It's mm-hmm. got to cause health harm, which is a very high standard. But in other words, there's got to be something to it. It can't just be the act alone. So anyway, you create an, an airtight policy and you have informal and formal resolution processes and discipline and it's uh, everyone's held accountable and applies to everyone. Did I say that? Applies to everyone. I need <laughs> everyone? to say at all levels, employees, all, uh, yes. So anyway, anyway, so that's the systemic part, right? And over time, now, what do they do with sexual harassment? As mandated in California, they go back and they retrain. But actually, smart employers retrain all the time to get new employees and refresher courses on sexual. So you educate. So you tell people, you let it know that you don't just put it in a binder and put it on a shelf and say, go find it when you need it. Maybe you educate. And so over time, the culture changes. Over time, sexual harassment is now taboo versus being a cute, dirty joke among men, hmm. right? It's over. Right. So that's the change. That's culture. That's systemic. But in the short run, some, some things that managers can do, they have tremendous amount of impact because they're right where the rubber hits the road. Number one, if you see a peer manager harassing, abusing, denigrating, humiliating anybody, their employee or your employee, your worker, your subordinate, whatever, pull them aside, go have a private meeting, give them their right to dignity, and then chew them out and tell them how this is unacceptable, it makes, how it makes you feel, how it impacts the company. Take them through everything we've just been talking about, Sure. how costly it is, how stupid it is, how destructive it is, and how wrong it is, and furthermore, you're embarrassing me. Now, a peer has a great deal of control on a peer. A senior manager has even more control over a subordinate manager. So, uh, really, it's up to managers to police their own. But let's say the problem is within the work team. So, you've got, uh, so, so you're now the first-line supervisor. What I tell you to do is you should be a good enough manager to recognize changes in your individual workers when they hit. Hmm. And so for this, it isn't really detective work. It's just a matter of knowing your people. And you know their style. You know their approach to life and work. And you see their, how they are, how they interact with others. When bullying hits, you will see exclusion, withdrawal, depression, sadness, reluctance, where there was none before. If you know your people, you'll see this rather remarkable sudden change. You'll see it quicker than their family sees it. You'll see it before their physician sees it because it's a long time away from being serious enough to go see a doctor about. Mm. You pull them aside privately and say, you're such a good worker. I I noticed things might not be okay. What is going on with you? How, How can I help you? Not what's wrong with you? Why are you withholding? Why are you changing? Don't ask the why question. That makes people defensive. I've noticed a change. How can I help you? Hmm. Eventually, you will tease out, and very early, and they won't even recognize it sometimes, but, of course, it's coworkers getting them and bullying them, and you can pull that out. Then the second step is managers, supervisors, never utter the following phrase, work it out between yourselves. Hmm. You're condemning that poor victimized target to go and try and do something that they weren't able to do in the beginning and they'll never be able to do. So they can't confront them now and they can't get them to stop. If they could have, they would have. So what you do is you work with the group. You you identify the perpetrators, you call them in, and you talk about the impact on the team, the destructiveness. You don't make personal attacks or anything, but clearly you have leverage to, to get this to stop. Now that's the hard part. And I know that's why, and that's where it breaks down. 
Managers don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to throw themselves into the heart of uh, disputes, and it looks like a, a war and all that. No, it's an attack. You need to protect those who could not defend themselves. And so anyway, you go through that and you learn other skills. But that, you know, that's how you nip it in the bud, and that's what good management will be. That would be part of the training after the policy is put in place and the organization's committed to stopping the bullying. But it would all, it all go together. But you can start long before there's a policy managing and by recognizing abuse among the, uh, your workers and making every effort to stop it. Because you know what? It's the right thing to do. You'll gain the uh, confidence and the trust of the workers in the future because they'll know you'll have their back. And you won't be backing the abuser. Now, what you do with the abuser is you coach and you counsel and you try and understand why they did it and you give them a timeline to change. That's the person you put on the performance improvement plan. Mm -hmm. And most of them will change. Once it, once it becomes difficult and is no longer rewarded, most of the bullies or just people who are being opportunists will stop. So do that. Make it effortful. Make it harder to bully. Make it clear that you know what they're doing and you see them and it's not shrouded in silence. And then you'll change most of them. The hardcore ones are going to continue and continue, but that's really where you need a policy so you can get them terminated. But you know, in this employment at will environment, management has tremendous control mm -hmm. and you can, you can fire people for looking funny. So you should use that against abusers, but not against the abused. Don't get conned. Remember, the bully is very structuring their lives around managing their impression up the ladder. We call it ingratiation in the social sciences, and everybody else calls it butt-kissing. <laughs> so the point is, they're trying to play you and con you. Do not get conned. Managers, do not get conned. Bob, don't let Bob cut your grass. Honest to God, I had a boss who cut the grass of the CEO. I, I'll never forget that. But anyway... <laughs> Never, don't let them, don't let them grovel and, and, and coddle you and con you into this, this relationship so that if and when you learn that they are the bully, the aggressor, the intimidator later, that you take their side. Never, never stand for the abuser. Help the abused. Help the hurt ones. That's what we do. That's what we do in domestic violence. It took our country 50 years to figure it out. But, you know, we were all conned because he was a great guy, remember? He, would, he wouldn't harm a fly, remember? Oh, you must be thin-skinned, remember? All the rationalizations we once used for domestic violence were using for workplace bullying. Tim, this is a solvable problem, but you've got to break the denial that it exists, and then you've got you to just go attack it ferociously, and you can do it. Fortunately, the, the harder road, the systemic road, has already been done. Hmm. You already have the model. So this is kind of reverse. The easier stuff in the trenches is the new stuff that has to be learned. Right. But the systemic, you already have a working model for in terms of illegal harassment. So go for it. There's nothing, there's no risk to an organization to stop psychological violence in the trenches. No risk. Well, Gary, I mean, I, I know we could talk on this subject forever, and, and I, I knew you had a passion for this and, and about this whole subject, and that's why I was very happy to have you on. Unfortunately, we are out of time, so we'll have to wrap up this edition of Executive Decisions. Again, we've been talking about really giving employers a better understanding of what bullying looks like, sounds like, 
and most importantly, how to stop it and prevent it altogether. Our expert on the subject today has been Dr. Gary Namey, the co-founder and director of the Workplace Bullying Institute, which you can find at workplacebullying.org. Lots of great information there. Uh, Gary, thanks again for your insights today. It really was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much, Tim. Of course, as always, we want to hear from you, the listeners as well. So just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or suggestions for any of our podcasts here at LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. 